We turn again to Galatians chapter 5, to that which follows from the works of the flesh. We again pick up the scriptures at the 16th verse, Galatians chapter 5. We read through the end of the chapter this evening, Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we come to you this evening. We thank you for this portion of your Word. It tells us how we can live to please you. It tells us what sin is. It tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are. And Lord, may we always keep this in our hearts, in our minds, that as we live each day, each situation, we may know the truth that sets us free, your truth of how we can live to honor and glorify your name. Be with Pastor Bob as he preaches this evening. Open our hearts, open our minds, that we can even better understand the things of your kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First of all, the contrast, and then secondly, the list, and then thirdly, the freedom that we find in this text as we look particularly at verses 22, 23, and 24 this evening. The contrast, the list, and the freedom are our three main points. First of all, the contrast. It starts with that glorious word, that wonderful word, that word full of grace as we find it in the scriptures. That small three-letter conjunction in the Greek, it's day, means on the other hand, it means however. It's a word of contrast. That simple word that begins that 22nd verse, but, but. And given where we were this morning, how grateful and how thankful we can be that in God's word, 
there is this beautiful, beautiful contrast. I'm sure uh, perhaps many of you, like me, thinking about, reflecting on those verses we had to deal with this morning, those are not pleasant verses. Those are not easy verses. They're not easy verses to hear. They're not easy verses to preach. They are difficult. They're difficult because they express a reality, don't they? A lot of times the most difficult things in life are the reality that we face. The realities of the visit to uh, the doctor. The realities of the fact the checkbook won't balance or however some of you do it today with uh, the, your modern means of doing it computer-wise. They're, 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 we're, we're, we're filled with all of these struggles. And, and we sense that, didn't we? When we, when we looked at the, those other verses this morning, there, there is a sense of, of weightiness. There is a sense of struggle. There is a sense of, I don't like this. I don't want this. And what a blessing that is to have that sense, to be aware of that. Well, Sundays ago, when I, when I preached upon that, I said, this, this is a wonderful struggle. This is a beautiful struggle to have. The fact that you struggle, the fact that I struggle, is, is, is an evidence of our Christianity. It's the evidence of the fact that, that Christ is in us. It's the evidence of the fact that the Spirit is at work in our hearts and lives. If we weren't struggling, something's wrong. Because we know we're not going to reach perfection. We know that isn't going to happen here. So if we aren't struggling here, it's not because we're perfect. If we're not struggling here with our sin, it can only be the fact that the Spirit is not present. So the fact that the Spirit is present causes us this struggle. Now I, I, I reflect again. The, the fact that, that Paul here is, is not addressing these people as unbelievers. He's not addressing them as pagans. These are, these are brothers and sisters in Christ. These are those who have been born again. And yet he says of them, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The reality of sin in the human heart, in the Christian life, is there. But, but, I've mentioned before as we've gone through the book of, of Galatians that the, the counterpart to this, this book is the book of Romans. Paul is dealing with many of the same subjects on a much more expanded version. You come in, in Romans chapter 3 to, to another one of those beautiful expressions. There is no one that is righteous, no one that is good. All have fallen away, all have fallen short. But now a righteousness from God has appeared. And the beauty of God's grace in the person of Christ. Here it's expressed. Yes, we struggle with sin. Yes, it's there. Yes, it's heavy. Yes, it's weighty. Yes, it, it expresses itself even sometimes as we do with the, the Apostle Paul, a wretched man that I am. But, but something is at, else is at work in our lives. 
brother and sister in Christ. And that which is at work in our life is the Spirit. He is present with us. And He too has a desire. He too has a passion. He too is at work. And the one who is at work in us is greater than the one who is in the world. The Spirit is greater than the devil. The Spirit is greater than our own flesh. The Spirit is greater than our sinful nature. For it is that Spirit that overcomes. It is that Spirit that, that comes into our hearts that causes we who are dead in our trespasses and sin to become alive again. He takes that which is dead. He takes that which is blind. And he makes it alive. Spirit of greater power than our own sinful nature. And when we come to this word, but, but the fruit of the Spirit, we are reminded not only of this contrast, but we're reminded of the struggle, we're reminded of the conflict, but we're also reminded of the victory. Now let me just rehearse again how this happens. See, in the word but, there is a lot being said that is not on the page. The word but, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is who we are, this strong, but the Spirit has come in. The Spirit has caused us to be born again. The Spirit has given us life. You say, how, how, how do I know that? Well, we, we could go through it in, 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 in the theological aspect of it, as I tried to spell that out this morning. We repent of our sin. We acknowledge that these things are sin rather than walking the other way and pretending there aren't. You know, when, when Nathan... The prophet points his finger at us and says, you are the man. We acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our shortcomings. We acknowledge the fact that, that we cannot save ourselves and that our salvation is in Christ alone. But if, if you want it in the experiential realm, taking it a, a little bit out of the theological and, and putting it into, into the experience of, of what, what does that look like? What does that sound like? This is what it sounds like. Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. Wean it from earth through all its pulses move. Stoop to my weakness, mighty as thou art. And make me love thee as I ought to love. I ask no dream, no prophet ecstasies, no sudden rending of the veil of clay, no angel visitant, no opening skies, but take the dimness of my soul away. Hast thou not bid us love thee, God and King, all, all thine own soul, heart, and strength, and mind? I see thy cross. There, teach my heart to cling. Oh, let me seek thee, and oh, let me find 
Teach me to feel that thou art always nigh. Teach me the struggles of the soul to bear, to check the rising doubt, the rebel side. Teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. Teach me to love thee as thine angels love. One holy passion filling all my frame. The baptism of the heaven-descended dove, my heart and altar, and thy love the flame. See, if those are more than just words upon a page, if that's more than just number 338 in the Trinity hymnal, if it's that, that doesn't have to be those exact words, but, but I think this, this, this is a beautiful expression. If, if that is the expression of your heart in the midst of the anguish of your sin, if this is really you, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So let's secondly look at the list and note that Paul speaks of this as the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I think I've actually preached on this aspect of it before, so I'll, I'll go through it rather quickly. It's rather interesting that this morning it's the works, plural, of the flesh, but here it's the fruit of the Spirit. One is plural, one is singular. One expresses disunity, disharmony. The other expresses a unity, a perfect harmony. And in essence, that's what's going on, right? Satan is the sower of disharmony. There is, there, there is rebellion. Satan desires to break down. That's what he's seeking to do with us, right? Satan is seeking to break us down into this works of the flesh and fruit of the spirit. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the spirit. That's, that's Satan at work. He always wants to break down. He always wants to destroy. So you have various works listed. He could care less which one. Delve into any one of them. He could care less. It doesn't matter to him. You want some strife? Go for strife. And I'll, I'll leave the drunkenness alone. You want to go into the sexual area? I'll, I'll leave the relationship stuff alone. Satan has the view of... I don't care which of the works, I just want to get you into one. Whereas, when you look at the list of the Spirit, it's fruit. There's a beautiful, perfect unity being expressed. Even though there is differences, it reminds you of the, of the picture of the tree of life that appears in the book of Revelation. That it has these variety of fruit and variety of leaves that are for the healing of the nations. Yes, but they all come from one tree. It's not several trees, it is but one tree. It is but one spirit who desires a unity. These are not pick them, choose them. I think, I, I, I think I'll go for the, the peace part of the fruit. Now, it's a whole. It's a beautiful collective whole. 
It's a unity. The work of the Spirit works in unity. Never in divisiveness. It works in that unity to express for us as well the beauty of the unity that we find amongst the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amongst that Trinity. And as the Trinity works in unity, so does each of the parts of that Trinity or persons of the Trinity, if we use that term, work that way. So you have natures of Christ, but they are in a perfect unity. You have fruit of the Spirit, but it is in a perfect unity. Paul lists here for us nine. And it's not unlike Paul to begin with love. After all, Paul is the one who wrote for us through the inspiration of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and so faith, hope, love abide, and the greatest of these is love. And when it really boils down to it, 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 love might be seen as the essence out of which all the others come as well. I don't know if that's what Paul had in mind or not, but it would certainly work itself out that way. Let's just go down through the list, and, and I'll just make some brief comments about each one. The love here that is expressed is is the agape kind of love. It is the self-sacrifice. It is the self-sacrifice that, that we are to exemplify in our relationship to God. It is that self-sacrifice that we are to represent in our relationship with our neighbor, with our spouse, with our family, and even, as the New Testament commands us, towards our enemy. Marvelous thing to think about, that one can never say as a Christian, I do not and I cannot love you anymore. Because we're under a command, we're to love even our enemies. So there's, there's no out of this one. Love, agape love, self-sacrificing love. You see, that can only come from the Spirit. That isn't going to come from the heart of Bob. That's not going to come from my soul. That's not going to come from my mind. But that is what the Spirit does. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. But it's also joy. Joy in our relationship primarily to God. In the forgiveness that we have. Joy that we have that... that Perhaps uh, the counter word that, that maybe or the similar word that, that Paul is after here is the idea of thankfulness, the idea of gratitude. It's a heart of thankfulness, a heart of joy, particularly in the spiritual realm of life, always thanking God for the grace he has given to us in Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul expresses that over and over and over again in his letters. That, that, that's what the Spirit does. You know, our sinful nature isn't very thankful. Our, our sinful nature is, is really a, a grabbing nature, isn't it? It's a, I deserve this. And, and therefore, it doesn't express thankfulness. Right? We, we just came out of the, the, the Christmas season and the whole gift thing and so on and you know, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it, it, it works here as well. The cringing you have as parents when, 
when, uh, you know, the gift comes from grandpa or grandma or uncle so-and-so in the great name exchange, and your, your child opens it, and there's, there's, it, 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 there's no expression of gratitude. You know, all, they're just showing you the sinful nature. They're showing you what, what we have the tendency to always do, to never really be grateful to God for that which he has given. To always be, well, it's not good enough, or God, you could do better. I'm, I'm not really satisfied with what you're doing in my life. Okay, That's the way we tend to be in our sinful nature. But the Spirit brings joy. The Spirit brings a thankfulness. The Spirit brings a gratitude. That in spite of circumstances, looks to the Lord and acknowledges God's goodness to us. Third is peace. The quietness of guilt. This does not mean, a, a, a although it, perhaps on the side, this does not mean that there aren't any conflicts in your life. Okay, That the person who has the fruit of the Spirit... Okay, has love, joy, peace. Oh, they'll never have conflicts. That No, Paul is obviously in Galatians dealing with a conflict, isn't he? He has a conflict with these false teachers. It's not that, that as the Spirit's gift to us is a peace of no conflict with others. The peace is the peace with God. That's where the conflict is gone. Right? Romans, turn back to it, chapter 5. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's what that's that's the fruit. That's what the that's the but. The Holy Spirit gives that peace, that fruit. When all this guilt is building up, come back to Christ. Come back to Christ. We see our sin. Nailed, not in part, but the whole. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And I have peace. Maybe not on the horizontal, but vertically. With my judge, now my Savior. Love, joy, peace, patience. The idea of being long-suffering in affliction and trial. But also when hurt by others. It doesn't retaliate. It doesn't seek to immediately respond with revenge. It doesn't seek to respond with like hurting word. Okay, That, that when one comes in our direction, we, we don't seek that revenge. There is a patience. There is a waiting. There is a waiting for the Lord to work. There is a waiting for the Lord to acknowledge that which is happening and, and to do justly. That's why Paul in, in Romans 12 is saying to us, do not seek revenge but leave it to the Lord, my friend. That requires patience. That's what the Spirit gives. It's one of the fruit. 
kindness. Random acts of kindness. You see that bumper sticker or hear that slogan all around. And, and actually, it's interesting because they're really not far off in terms of what kindness is. Kindness is simply doing the simple things of life for the benefit of others. It's the actions. Goodness is to have the right attitude about it. Right? One can well imagine sitting in a classroom. Teacher perhaps is teaching a course on psychology, teaching a course on sociology. Says, I cut out these little coupons here. These are little random acts of kindness. Now I want you to take 50 of them. I want you to walk through the streets of Grand Rapids and I want you to spread these. And you go, okay, I'll get rid of all 50 of mine, but this is dumb. This is stupid. I hate this. I don't even like the person I'm giving it to. This makes no sense. I don't know why we have to do this. Well, that's not goodness. Goodness is having an attitude that takes delight in being kind. They flow together. They work together in that regard. The next one is faithfulness, loyalty, trustworthiness, dependability. That, that there is a, a stick to in the things of the word, the things of the gospel in our relationships with one another, in our responsibilities that we have in life. Faithfulness is that which the Spirit desires. That's a fruit. See, you don't have that. See, back, back if you go back to the, to the works of the flesh, there's dissensions, there's rivalries. You come across all these things and you can almost see that, that what Paul is doing is here are the works of the flesh, but the Spirit as a direct counter. Well, of course they're going to be in direct counter. Why? Because the Spirit and the flesh are in conflict with one another. So that which the Spirit brings, that which the Spirit produces, that which the Spirit desires within our life, of course is going to be in conflict with our sinful nature. This is, this is not the norm. This is not normal for humanity to be kind, to be good. This takes work. This takes effort. This takes the Holy Spirit. Gentleness. A mildness of temper. A calmness. Not being easily ruffled. Not being easily upset by the circumstances of life. Gentleness. Let me give you a picture of it. Okay? I didn't have this till this morning. This morning, when I went to get the mail, okay, drive around, come around, First check, make sure there's nobody in the lobby anymore. Drive around, open the mailbox, take out the mail. When I drove out there, I looked in our neighbor, the, the people who we park at, okay, the tri-level, I looked in their press box, okay, because it was like there's something there. So I got out and walked over. There's this little itty-bitty owl in there, okay. 
just sitting in a press box. Cars going by back and forth, and it's just sitting there. Okay? Here comes this strange guy. He walks up to the press box, takes out his phone, takes a couple of pictures, just kind of looks at me, completely unruffled, completely unfazed by all that was happening and all the surroundings. That's gentleness. I'm never going to forget that picture of that owl in that press box as, as I think about gentleness. You know, it's not raising its wings and squawking and making a bunch of noise. It's just sitting there watching life, taking it all in calmly. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And self-control, the ability to hold back, to self-impose restrictions, to say, I will not go there. Yeah, but it really doesn't come from us, does it? Self-control really isn't self-control, it's spirit control. But you see, that's what Paul is reflecting here. This is a fruit of the spirit. The spirit gives to us the ability to say no to sin. That we don't allow it free reign in our life. That we don't allow it to be unchecked. That we don't allow it to run rampant. But we say no. No. That's not the way I want to live. That's not the way I should live. We say no. I don't want to continue that anymore. I want to end that. See, the world doesn't have that, my friends. But the believer, you and I, have that struggle going on. Say, why do we need self-control? Because if we didn't control, we'd be in our sinful nature. This is the gift. This is the blessing. This is what you and I as believers have been given. This is the power that is at work within us. But you see, it's not my love. It's not my joy. It's not my peace. It's not my patience. It's not my kindness. It's not my goodness. It's not my faithfulness. It's not my gentleness. It's not my self-control. It is the Spirit. Almighty God. Who hovered over the surface of the deep at creation. The Spirit who comes down in a mighty wind. The sound of a mighty rushing wind and the fire. It is the fire of God that is at Alive within us by God's grace, not by my doing, not by your doing, by God's grace. This spirit lives within us. He is at work within us. And this fruit is being produced in our life. Now before you grow dark and dismal and think, oh, well, I'm not seeing any of that, my friends. We live in fruit country. We ought to know this, right? 
thinking. Just because a tree at times is dormant doesn't mean it's not going to produce in the spring. And just because there are just buds does not mean that there won't be fruit. And just because sometimes the fruit is very small does not mean that the fruit will not grow. The fruit of the Spirit in every Christian is at work. Growing, building. And it's going to keep doing that, and it's going to keep doing that, and it's going to keep doing that in your life and my life until the day of glory for us. And God says, well, that's all I can do with you here. Let me finish the project. Against such, Paul writes, there is no law. Against such. Yeah, have you ever heard of a law on joy? Have you ever heard of a law on peace? Have you ever heard of a law on faithfulness? Have you ever heard of a law on kindness? See, that's what Paul is getting at. There, there's no law against that. It, does, does God say anywhere in his word, thou shalt not agape? Does God say anywhere, thou shalt not have joy? Does God say anywhere that thou shalt not be faithful? Does God say anywhere that thou shalt not have self-control? See, the, these people that Paul is battling there in, in, in Galatia, in those churches, are all about laws and rules. Paul is saying, but we have the Spirit, and against the Spirit there is no law. God never even wrote a law. He doesn't need to write a law. Because there is no restriction. There is no end. There is no limit. There is no stop point. We never say we have loved enough. We, we've had enough of joy. We've had enough of peace. We've, we've done enough acts of kindness. We've done enough gentleness. We, we, we've exercised self-control long enough. No, it always, always, always goes beyond. There is no restriction. Some commentators believe that against such may not necessarily refer to the fruit itself as much as it does to the person that the Spirit is working in. There is no law against the Spirit working in our hearts and in our lives. There is no judgment. See, when you're under law, there's always judgment. There's always condemnation. Didn't fulfill that law. Didn't fulfill that law. Didn't fulfill that law. But you see, under the Spirit, there is no law. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. There is no, well, you didn't love enough, therefore, you're damned. Well, you weren't faithful enough, therefore, to hell you go. Oh, you didn't have enough gentleness, therefore you're under my condemnation and my eternal wrath. Now you see, that's what happens when you're under law. Against such there is no law. For the person who has the spirit in their hearts and their spirit in their life, 
and the Spirit is at work and the fruit is coming forth, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. See, that's the freedom. These things, this fruit is never forbidden by God and it's never restricted by God and it's never under condemnation by God. That's why Paul ends this section by saying, don't become conceited about this. Don't be thinking, well, I love more than so-and-so, therefore I'm not judged, but they will be judged. That's not the way this works. It's the way it works when you're under law. Because you can say, I didn't murder anybody. That person did. Therefore, that person deserves to be punished. But under the Spirit, there is none of that. There is no room for conceit. There is no room to thinking, oh, I have it all put together and -and so-and-so doesn't. Therefore, I'm going to be saved. My guess is they're not. Because against such, there is no law. That, my friends, is a glorious freedom with which to live. I never and you never have to live a day under condemnation. What does that make you want to do? Go back into sin? Does that create within you an even greater passion, an even greater love? I want to bring glory to God. God's people say, amen. Father, thank you again. What a marvelous, marvelous word you have given to us. Thank you for breathing it out to us. Thank you for breathing it in by your spirit into Paul. So that this, Father, is not a word that is lost over the course of time. It's not changed, but it remains forever the same. And in that, Father, we hear you speak. Thank you. Touch our hearts. Touch our lives. Teach us to love thee as thine angels love. With one holy passion filling all our faith. In Christ's name and for his glory, we again say, amen.